All right, let's dig into God's word today, and we're going to continue in our series this morning, Free Indeed. And listen, John 8, 36, Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And listen, in this series, we've been seeking the Lord. My heart, as I've been preaching, as we've been preaching as a staff in this series, is for you to experience the heart of God, for you to walk in victory and freedom in every area of your life. Freedom from the pain of your past, freedom from condemnation and legalism, freedom from strongholds of sin, fear, anger, lust, freedom from inner vows and word curses, mental strongholds, and generational iniquities, which are mindsets or patterns of behavior that may have been unintentionally modeled before you and handed down to you. And listen, I really believe it today. Some of us are just one reminder or one revelation away from walking in a new level of freedom in God, from breaking free of something that has kept you back or held you down or hindered you from moving forward in freedom and faith towards the future that God has for you. Anything that's keeping you from living your best life, shining brightly for Jesus and moving forward in faith and freedom is an area of bondage that Jesus came to deal with at the cross. Galatians 5.1. Another core scripture of the series that says, it is for what? Freedom that Christ has what? Set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And the Bible wouldn't say something if the Bible didn't realize, if God didn't realize that it wasn't possible for us to experience it. And he's saying right there, it's possible for you to experience a level of freedom and then find yourself sliding back into a place of bondage and slavery. Listen, the heart of God is for you and I to walk in freedom. Amen. Studies have shown that after a certain number of time, prisoners who once would every night go and shake the door of their cell to make sure that it was locked, at a certain point, they give up on the idea that there's a possibility that that door could be opened or unlocked. And I believe many of us are the same way. Maybe there once was a locked door, but Jesus came and made a way. He gave you the keys, the Bible says, to the kingdom of God. He's unlocked the door, but we are responsible for stepping up and stepping out in faith and going and flinging the door open and running through it in freedom. That's the heart of God for you. How many of us are, are, are listening to a lie and remaining in a place of bondage when the heart of Jesus is for us? to become set free from that thing. Again, that mindset, that behavior, that sin, that generational iniquity, whatever it is for you that's holding you back or hindering you from living your very best life in God and moving forward in freedom and faith. That's what God desires to do in you and through you today in Jesus' mighty name. There's a story that I heard one time from a pastor that I really admire. And in the culture of their staff, I think on one day of the week, they would show up early at the church and they would play a game of capture the flag in the halls of the church. And the story that the pastor tells is one time there was a, another one of the staff members who thought he would get a jump on the other team and he showed up early at the church and climbed up into the drop ceiling of the church, climbed across the rafters of the church and was preparing to scale down into the closet of the pastor so that he could be ready to jump out and capture the flag for his team. But what he didn't count on was the pastor friend got there early and heard the commotion going on in the drop ceiling above him, heard this pastor fiddling around to, to open up the ceiling and climb down into the closet of the office that this pastor held. And, and so when he heard the commotion, he thought, oh, it's whatever day of the week it was, it's capture the flag day. 
I know what's going on there. And he, the, the way that the, he tells the story is he ran and he, he, he began to wrestle with, on the door with the staff person. Can you see it? Or how many of you can see your kids doing that? You know, I mean, wrestling one on the other side of the door and one on this side of the door. And they're trying to go this way or that way, you know. And they're wrestling with the door. And finally, the pastor kind of wins the battle and holds the door pin and makes this statement. He says, I'm, I'm putting a chair up against the door. You're trapped in there all morning. And the, and the guy took him at his word and, and stayed in the closet, despite the fact that there was no chair to be found or seen and no chair up against the door. The way the pastor tells the story is that for a couple hours that morning, they all kind of gathered around and listened and watched as the guy just sat in the corner of the closet saying, let me out, let me out, let me out. He was free to go all along. Listen, it's a somewhat humorous story, but the, the same can be true for us. The enemy comes into a place and he says, you're trapped here. You can't get out here. You're stuck in that situation. Because of that decision you made, because of that sin that you committed, because of that unfortunate thing, you're trapped in that place. And here's the good news of Jesus Christ today. He's come and made a way. He's given you the key. He's opened the door. And now you can get up and walk into a new season of freedom and faith towards the future that God has for you. And God, that's good news. All right, Exodus chapter 20. This is a different version of the same passage that we read last week, talking about generational iniquities. Recognizing that there, in every one of our lives, there are some good things that our parents impart to us, no doubt, but there are some things that we have to recognize if we're gonna walk in freedom and faith towards the future that God has for us, there are inevitably some things that we have to recognize. I've gotta think differently than the way that I was raised or brought up. And here's the reality that I know in a room this size and with all those who are joining us online, is that in a room this size, there are people who had really godly parents who even though they were godly, were still imperfect. And there's also people who had very ungodly parents who were abusive, who neglected you, who even were used of the enemy to impart some things very specifically and intentionally that have now created areas of bondage, fear, and pain that today God wants to deal with in your life. And in Exodus chapter 20, we read about these things called generational iniquities. And it says this, this is the chapter that is giving us the 10 commandments. So this embedded in this scripture is one of the 10 commandments, but the, the Lord saw fit to elaborate a little bit surrounding this second commandment here. And here's what it says in verse four, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord am your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins, and the better word here, it's the word abon, it's the Hebrew word abon, and it actually translates iniquity. And so the better word here is iniquity. If you look in other translations, it says iniquity. I lay the sins or iniquities of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love. Here we're gonna see a better word, a promise here. This is a better word here. I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. So he's saying sin affects multiple generations, even the third and the fourth generation. Ezekiel 18, if you go read it, we read it last week, talks about the fact, establishes the fact that your eternal salvation is not dependent or affected by, it's not dependent upon or affected by the faith of your parents or your children. That's a personal decision. Only you can make a confession of faith, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. That's what determines your eternal salvation. But there's also a truth that we see here, and that's that the, the, the behavior, the mindsets, the patterns that are set forth by our parents and our grandparents affects even to the third and fourth generations. But the good news is the blessing of God goes to a thousand generations. Amen. Come on, who's grateful for that better word, that better promise that we have? 
iniquities. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says this, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Listen, we tend to read that kind of as all one lump sum kind of a thing that God came and did, but I believe he's showing us two specific things that he did in our life. He was wounded outwardly for our transgressions, and that word is implying the actual sins that we commit, the words we speak, the things we do with our hands, the actual sins that we commit. He says he was wounded for those things, to forgive us of those things. And then watch, he says, but he was bruised for our iniquities. And listen, what's a bruise? It's an inward wound. It's an inward wound. A, a bruise is something... There's a, there's, a, there's a violent um, a, a hit or attack on something and there's, a, there's not an outward wound, but there begins with time to develop an inward wound. There is no outward evidence, but with time an inward wound begins to emerge. And I just think it's powerful that he says, I was outwardly crushed and pierced for your outward sins. He says, I was bruised for your iniquities. And here's why that's powerful, because an iniquity is speaking of the inward motivation of each of us because of the fall of man towards sin. The word is, the Hebrew word is avon, and it literally translates bent. It means bent. It means God's ways are straight, but we have a bent. And if you think about, even in the English language, this is powerful, even in the English language, we use that word as as to describe someone who has an inclination towards a certain behavior or set of mindsets. He has a bent towards, and listen, that's what iniquity is. It's our inward bent towards sin because of the fall of man. And I say it often, it bears repeating, don't blame Adam and Eve. I would have shown up soon enough to blow it for us. It's just true. That's when iniquity entered in. And here's the thing, no family, no person, no parents are immune from it. Every one of us, has this issue called sin that we must deal with. And here's the good news. Luke 4, just recapping, then we'll jump into Genesis 11 and 12. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61, and he's establishing his call, his mission, his mandate, what he's coming to the earth to do, sent from the Father for your life, your family, your future. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And do you see that twice he mentions freedom? Freedom for the prisoners, freedom for those who are oppressed. Once again, and again, just bear with me, recapping a little bit, but it's very important, especially with the message that we're getting into here in a moment, for you to understand this powerful concept. Once again, something that we could tend to lump into one thing that Jesus came to do, but they're two very distinct things. He says, I came to set the captives free. And listen, in my own life, there are things that I did, sins I committed, words that I spoke, thoughts or mindsets that I had. There are things that I did for which I am deserving of the punishment that is due me. In that place, I'm deserving to be a prisoner. And he says, I came to set you free from all those things, those transgressions. And then he says, I also came to set free those who are oppressed. And here's what I believe it represents. Those things that were perpetrated against you, those things that were done to you, those areas of abuse or neglect, those areas that were, were, were things that you never could have expected and you actually didn't deserve, but they were done to you. And in that moment, it, it caused for an area of bondage or fear or pain or anger to enter into your life. And he said, I also came to set you free from those things. The places where you were deserving of the punishment and you were a captive or a prisoner and the places where you were oppressed of the enemy because of things that were done to you that you never could have deserved and that you never could have expected. He said, I came to set you free from both of those things. That's good news. That's good news. It's comprehensive, the work of the cross. It's comprehensive what Jesus came to do in our lives. 
iniquities, behaviors and mindsets that are modeled or passed on, most times not intentionally taught, but here's the thing is they're generally caught. Not taught, but caught because you're constantly watching, you're constantly listening, the things that are being said, the life that's being modeled before you by your parents, grandparents, or aunts or uncles or whoever it was that raised you. Common iniquities, fear, negativity, criticism, a critical spirit, that tendency to just be critical, gossip, racism is a big one, chauvinism or sexism, legalism, judgment, pride, anger, strife, divorce, isolation, a poverty spirit that doesn't believe that God can or will provide, control or manipulation, deception or dishonesty, anger, and I added a couple more, materialism, and one that, that the Lord just spoke to me this week that it wasn't on my list last week, performance-based affection. In other words, when, you, when you're starting for the team or you're the quarterback of the team or you're getting straight A's, there's love and affection that's given to you, but when you're not, there's, it's withheld. These are things that tend to be modeled to us or done to us that we tend to take forward to the third or the fourth generation. But here's the heart of God for you today. If any of those things apply to you or something I didn't mention to you is resonating in your spirit or ringing in your ears, I'm telling you that the power of the word of God and the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus has made a way for you today to take a stand in that place where that iniquity exists and say, I'm drawing a line in the sand of my heritage of faith, future generations, because of this moment, this declaration, this commitment to stand in faith, to begin to submit my life to God and resist the enemy. I'm drawing a line in the sand with the blood of Jesus, and that thing is going to be broken for future generations because of the personal faith that I'm going to take in this moment, to take responsibility and present that thing before God and say, God, we repent for those things, we repent for those ways, those things that were modeled and taught to me that I've tended to kind of fall into or I've even grabbed a hold of today. I recognize that that doesn't align itself with your word or your will or your best ways. And I'm presenting it before you. I'm taking responsibility for it and I'm breaking it today forever in Jesus name. Come on, someone ought to say amen. amen. Listen, we can honor our, even our imperfect parents and grandparents because Ephesians 2 uh, visits the the Ten Commandment that says, honor your father and mother, and it elaborates on it, says this is the first commandment with a promise. So listen, we need to appreciate the good, but recognize that sometimes to move forward in freedom and faith, and almost inevitably for every one of us, I'm just telling you, there's not one person in this room that doesn't have a generational iniquity that God wants to reveal so that he can heal, so that you can begin to, in a new way, move forward in freedom and faith. And that's what brings us to, gener to Genesis, rather, chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And before we get into to it today, let's pray. Let's just ask the Lord, speak to us. And would you just bow your head, bow your heart, maybe lift your hands before the Lord. I'll pray corporately, but would you pray individually for your unique situation and circumstance, what God wants to do in your life, your mind, your heart. And Lord, I thank you that your word today, your will today is to bring healing, God, every situation. You don't reveal something unless you wanna heal something. You don't beat us up with our past. You don't shame us with our past. There's no condemnation. But thank you, Lord, that there is the gentle voice of conviction that is leading us out of a place that's beneath your very best towards the best future that you have for us. And Lord, I, I just thank you for every man, woman, every marriage, every family, every young adult that's in this room, Lord. I thank you for every future that's represented here, Lord. And thank you that according to your word, Jeremiah 29, it's a, it's a future that's filled with hope. It's a good future that you wanna lead us forward, Lord, out of some things that maybe we've been stuck in or held back or hindered. We want us to begin to run our race in freedom and faith towards the future that we have in you. Lord, anyone who's here today or online and they're 
weak or weary or wounded, any area of their life, physically, spiritually, relationally, emotionally. Thank you, Lord, that your heart today is to bring healing, to bring joy, to bring peace, to bring strength, God, to bring new hope and faith because of who Jesus is, what he's done, and who we are in him, in Jesus' name. And someone ought to say amen, amen, amen. All right, Genesis chapter 11. Here's where we have the command of the Lord. It's really an invitation from the Lord to Abram. And in verse one, it says this, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, other translations say your relatives, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Later on, we see that Abram will be renamed Abraham and the Bible describes him as the father of faith. Later on, we discover that the land that he is calling Abram to is the promised land of Canaan. But isn't it powerful? And even as we honor our parents, honor our father and mother, part of what God recognized and realized would have to happen in Abram's life if he was going to move into the promised land was a willingness to let go of some of the things of the past, some of the things in his family, some of the ways that they had worshiped false gods and idols that would keep him from being able to inherit the fullness of the promise of God. He says, go out. Listen, God... God, God, saw, God wants us to honor our father and mother so much, he put it in his top 10 list. He cares greatly about honoring our parents, but he also recognizes that we, every generation, have the opportunity to recognize some of the things that don't line up with God's word, and it's exactly what he's saying here. He knew that Abram's family had worshiped false gods, had worshiped the sun, moon, and stars, and he said, you've gotta get out of that thinking. You've gotta get out of that place. If you're gonna move forward to the fullness of what I have for you in the land of promise, you're gonna have to be willing to think differently. You're gonna have to be willing to say no to some things that are good, to say yes to some things that are God. Why would he say that? Well, I believe we find the answer if we turn the page back to Genesis chapter 11. This is powerful. Many of us are familiar with that concept that Abram was called to leave the land of his fathers, to leave his father's house and begin to move forward in faith towards the promised land of God. But I think many of us maybe have missed what we're about to read and unpack in Genesis chapter 11. So turn the page back or click back on your phone or device, Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. And catch this, this is a powerful prophetic story that I think applies to many of us and is one of the things or reasons that holds us back or hinders us from being able to move forward in faith and freedom to the future that we have in God. And it says in verse 27, this is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. So catch this, this is speaking of Abraham's dad. And it says Abraham had three sons, Terah, Abram, or no, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. But watch what it says in verse 28. But Haran, one of the three boys, died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. So let me paraphrase it for you that Terah and his wife lost a son at an early age. They, they experienced a painful moment. Listen, I, I, I have friends and close family who have lost, and in our family, my mom's side of the family, there was a, the loss of a child at an early age in an accident. And I don't know that there's more admiration that I have for a certain group of people than people who have lost a child at an early age because of any reason, miscarriage, accident, untimely sickness, people who have lost a child at an early age and remain faithful to trust and serve the Lord. 
I can't imagine the battle that goes on in someone's heart, having to deal with the bouts of anger towards God and having to deal with, can I really trust God and having to really deal with, can I, do I really believe what I say I believe? But I, I have such an admiration for people who have gone through that and come out on the other side. No doubt there's a battle that has to be waged, but come out on the other side saying, blessed be the name of the Lord recognizing that life on this side of eternity, whether you live two minutes or 120 years, is but a vapor, and eternity is significant. And I'm telling you, if that's you today, and maybe you're dealing with that anger, you're dealing with that bitterness, you're dealing with that doubt because of something that you experienced, the loss of a sibling or a child at an early age, I'm telling you, there's a day where you will be reunited for eternity, and eternity is a long time. But on this side, Tara and his wife lost this son, we're about to read about how it hindered and held them back from moving forward into the future that God had for them. And it says, one day, Terah, reading on verse 31, actually, we're jumping to 31. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. Catch this. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran, and settled there. They came to a place that reminded them of the pain of their past. And they stopped and they settled. The boy that they lost was named Haran. The place where they came was named Haran. Think about it, it could happen. You could have a son named Lawrence and you could go through a town named Lawrence. You, I mean, just think about it. You could have a child named something. You could go to that place and they went through that place and they were on their way to Canaan. They were on their way to the land of promise. Is it possible that Abraham became the father of faith but that the initial invitation was to Terah? to go and take his family and leave the, leave the old ways of worshiping the moon and the stars and go to a place where they would serve and love and worship the living God and it would be a place of victory and abundance and provision. Is it possible that the original invitation was given to Rob, but it says he stopped and he settled? I want to talk to you today about not settling in a place of pain, not settling in the faith of your fathers, not settling for anything less than what God has for you. Not settling. Listen, many of us, there, there's some areas of, of, of freedom that we fail to experience because of sin, but there are also some areas of freedom that we fail to experience in the fullness because we just get willing to settle. We get to a place with God, we get to a place of pain, and we just put on the brakes right there and we say, that's as far as I'm going, God. That's as far as I'm going. Listen, I'm telling you today, the Lord wants to stir faith in your life to no longer settle. In every area in your life, in your personal faith, in your marriage, in your finances, in your career, where is it in your life that you're settling? In Haran, when God's called you to Canaan. Five things, five ways that we settle. And number one is in the place of pain. In the place of pain, many people either because of the pain itself or because of the reminders of the pain, isn't that like the enemy? to cause along the way towards the promise of God for you to have to go through a place that causes you to have to really reconcile? Have I really presented that pain before the presence of God in a way that allows him to heal it? Or am I still trying to deal with it in my own strength? And that's exactly like the enemy. I mean, he, and in fact, in other translations, that word Haran that is speaking of the place that, that Terah and his family were going through is actually spelled with two R's and the son's name is spelled with one R. 
So it's just close enough. Sometimes it doesn't mirror exactly, but it's just close enough to remind you, to take you back to the emotions, to take you back to the fear, to take you back to the rejection, to take you back to the place of pain in a way that causes you to say, I can't go any further. Isn't it just like the enemy? And I'm telling you today, God is calling you to present that pain before the Lord in a way that it begins to become healed in a deep way and where the root issue is, no longer dealing with just the fruit of it that manifests in anger or hostility or doubt or isolation or depression or despair, but, but dealing with it in a root way that allows you to begin to say, Lord, I did go through the pain. We did lose the child. I did lose the job. They did reject me. They did turn their, eye, their, their, their back on me, but I am presenting that moment of pain in your presence because I can't heal my Myself, only you can heal me. And I've got a future in God. You, listen, you have a future in God. You have a promised land. You have a Canaan. Don't settle in a place of pain when the enemy comes and takes you through a moment in time that reminds you of your past. I mentioned through the whole series that one of the things that I want to help us to become set free from is inner vows. And Listen, this is a good place to introduce it because an inner vow is oftentimes something that we declare in response to pain. Good people, we're, I mean, good people, good Christian people who go through a painful moment and most times, actually the way I wanna say it is this, occasionally an inner vow will come out like this, I will always, but most times an inner vow, again, as a response to pain, an inner vow will come out like this, I will never insert whatever it is for you. I will never be vulnerable again. I will never love again. I tried committing myself to a church and serving and giving and I got burned and I will never serve in a church again. I will never be open or transparent with someone again. I will never be, allow myself to be poor again. I will never, whatever it is for you, a response to the pain of your past and we make an interval. Here's what, Matt, here's what Jesus himself had to say about it in Matthew chapter five. He said, you have heard that your ancestors were told you must not break your vows, you must carry out the vows that you make to the Lord. But I say, Jesus, red letters, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. Do not say by the earth because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head for you can't turn one hair white or black. Some of you ladies are trying. If I was wise, I would just move on right there. Amen. Just a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Proverbs 20, verse 25 says this, don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. How many of you have ever said this? God, if you would, whatever it is for you, Give me the job, give us a child, whatever. I will always do this or I'll never do that again. And see, we're trying to manipulate God and we're trying to manipulate our circumstances. God, I'll never go, I'll never commit that sin again if you'll just do this for me over here. And Jesus says, don't make those kind of vows. He said, you just trust me, you just live for me. You just know that I am Lord of your life and I'm leading you forward and I'm the only one that can help you deal with the pain of your past in a way that positions you to move forward to the future that I have for you in faith and in Freedom. A professor or a teacher or a parent embarrasses you in a classroom or on a sports field, I'll never put myself in that position again. You see a, a mom or a dad that's manipulating or controlling your, the, the other parent or spouse in the relationship, I'll never let them do that to me again. 
Listen, here, here's the problems with intervalances. One, it makes our determination in that area of our life the Lord of our life. It makes our determination. We begin to serve the vow that we have made or declared in that area of our life instead of trusting the Lord. Number two, it puts a target on your life for exactly what kind of situation the enemy has to present in your life to cause you to stay isolated, disconnected, bitter, or angry with God or with people. I mean, really, it puts a target on your back and say, I'll never, I'll never allow that to happen. And the enemy just says, okay, that's what it's gonna take to cause that person to stay isolated, disconnected, or angry towards God or towards people. Number three, it tells God, in this area of my life, I'm putting up walls and I'm putting up my own defense mechanisms because here's what, here's what it's stating. Sometimes subtle. I don't think we make those vows intending to make this, but here's the declaration that it's making when I say, in that area of my life, in response to something I went through that I didn't expect or deserve, it's, it's a passive statement of saying, God, I don't trust you in that area of my life anymore. What do you do when you say, I'll never put myself in that position again and God calls you to that very place? What do you do when I say, I'll never allow a man or a woman, I'll never be married again, I'll never be vulnerable again, I'll never serve in a church again, and God calls you to that place? Because here's the thing, God has a way of oftentimes putting us in situations or calling us to places or relationships that desperately require us to desperately depend on him. And when we say, not today, God, we're making ourselves Lord of that area of our life. In a place of pain. Man, I, I, I've got, I got four more points. I, I, but I feel like that's the place where we're supposed to stop and present ourselves to the Lord. I promise you the other four points were really good. <laughs> You'll have to come back next week or the week after to hear it all. But I think that's enough for the Lord to probably have put his loving finger on something in every one of our lives. He, he doesn't, again, I know there's a lot of things I say that I say often, but we, we gotta catch it. God doesn't reveal something unless he wants to heal something in your life. He wants to heal that place. He wants to heal that pain. He wants to heal that, that place where you've built those walls in your life saying, man, I tried it. They burned me. God wasn't there for me. And in this moment, he wants to come in and he wants to say, look, son, daughter, I want to heal that place so that you are no longer held back or hindered from running the race that I've called you to, from enjoying the relationships, from giving your life away, from stepping out in faith and courage towards the thing that I've called you to do. That you've said, I'm not doing, I tried it. I tried going back to school. I tried starting the company. I, I tried, I'm telling you. And the place of failure is another place where we tend to settle in that place and say, I can't go any further, God, I can't do it again. And today, whatever that place is for you, that, that place of pain, that place that has caused you to maybe make that inner vow, maybe you didn't speak it outwardly, but you're recognizing and realizing by the Spirit of God today that there's something that you've declared with your heart towards God or towards people. Today, would you just present that thing before God? Come on, this is gonna require us to be real with God. If you're worried about what people think to your left or your right, you, you'll probably just stay settled in Haram. But today, if you're willing to get real with God, I mean, would you just lift your hands before him if, that, if, you, if there's any area of your life, any place in your life, any moment in your life, any relationship in your life, any place where you've built a wall or made an inner vow 
that has made you the Lord of your life in that area and keeps you from trusting God for the healing or for the faith to move forward, just present it before him. Lord, I thank you that you are healing what you're revealing, God. I thank you, Lord, that there's no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that today you're speaking a better word, Lord, over people. I thank you, Lord, today, Lord, that you're stirring fresh faith. I thank you that you're going into that place, Lord, that moment of loss or pain, that moment, Lord, where we built that wall or made that statement in our heart. You're healing it today, God. You're doing it in a way that only you can do. We surrender it to you, God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I want to encourage you to receive it in faith today. Expect, expect today that God is healing it in a way that it's going to cause you and allow you to begin to once again move forward in freedom and in faith. You can also expect that the enemy will come and he'll try to test the freedom that you have. He'll try to challenge it. He'll try to present a circumstance. He'll try to lead you through a place that maybe kind of sounds like it or looks like it to try to remind you or take you back to that original place of pain, just like you did in Tara's life. I'm telling you, you can expect that. But in that moment now, maybe you're going to be equipped to, in a new or a fresh way, begin to recognize that's the enemy trying to get me into that place, that place of despair that leads to depression, that place of depression that leads to isolation. And today I'm going to begin to take a stand on God's word and say, not today, Satan, not today. I did go through that pain. I did go through that problem, but Jesus has come and he's redeemed it. He's reconciled it. He's healed me. He's forgiven me. He's allowed me the grace to forgive those that did it to me. And today I'm moving forward in freedom and faith towards the promised land of God. I'm not settling. I'm not settling anymore. I'm not settling anymore. Come on, just say it. Just say, I am not settling. I'm not settling anymore. Where is it that you've been settling? I don't settle anymore for anything less than God's perfect best for you in every area of your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lastly, before we worship one more song and dismiss you today, the most important thing we do, give people an opportunity to come home to Jesus. Give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you once knew God, served God, loved God. You grew up in the church. You've drifted from God. You're what the Bible would describe as a prodigal son or daughter, whether you're in this room or joining us online. Maybe you've never... Maybe you've never come to that place where you've been so, so desperate, so lost, so hopeless, or maybe you've never heard the gospel preached in such a way that stirred the faith for you to say, yes, I need a savior. I need forgiveness. And today is your day to experience what it feels like to just simply come before God and respond in faith, to believe in your heart, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and to feel what it feels like to have the weight of the entirety of your past, the guilt, the sin, the shame, the condemnation removed off of you as far as the east is from the west. That's how the Bible describes it. If that's you in either of those camps or anywhere in between, in this room or online right now, raise your hand high towards heaven. Don't delay. Don't delay. Don't delay. Your heart is burning. You know that's you. You know God is calling you back home. And he, if he's calling you home, he's calling you back to a relationship that transcends religion. Maybe you tried religion at one point and you got burned by it. That's not what he's inviting you to today. He's inviting you to a place of relationship to a place of knowing God and loving God and serving God in intimacy, a fresh place. Lord, thank you for these precious hands. They represent precious people, sons and daughters who you are calling back home through the cross of Jesus Christ. If you put your hand up, you can put it down. Here's what we're gonna do. We do it every week here at Rev City. We're gonna pray this prayer with you, with you, with you, because we recognize a couple things. One is we wanna quickly affirm to you, there's a, there's a church family who once were right where you are today, just new in God and responding to God in grace and in faith. And it also does something for us. It reminds us that even as we're growing in our faith, we never graduate from grace. 
we are still building our lives, our homes, our marriage, our family, our future by the grace of God, by the grace of God. So come on, there were many people that raised their hands. Trust there were people online that gave their lives to the Lord. There are every week. And let's pray this prayer. Come on, with fresh passion. Declare today, Father, in Jesus' name, recognize my need for a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could not pay, to make a way I might have a new life and a fresh start. I give you that life. I give you my trust. Because of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, I'll never be the same. Come on, one more time. Say, I'll never be the same. And put your hands together with all of heaven for the precious people. Hey, come on, let's worship the Lord one more time together today.